Lester has made a huge mistake. Today we're talking about episode 9 of Fargo, a fox, a rabbit, and a cabbage. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and we're almost wrapping up Fargo. We're at our ninth episode, which is titled A Fox, a Rabbit, and a Cabbage. And yeah, without further ado, let's get things started. The last episode ended with some important questions. Who is Lorne Malvo pretending to be right now? And what is he doing in Las Vegas? And perhaps just as importantly, what is Lester going to do? Today we get our answers as our cold case heats up and our bad actors set the wheels in motion once again. The episode opens with Lauren's new life. He's pretending to be a dentist, and it's revealed that this is a deep cover operation to find and kill someone in witness protection. And his Vegas trip is the last step before the kill. But before Malvo can get the information he needs, Lester insists on saying hello. Though Malvo tries to shoo him off, Lester insists that Malvo recognize him and joins him, and Malvo's three compatriots in the elevator. When Malvo asks if this is what Lester wants, Lester says yes, and Malvo murders his three friends. Clearly shaken, Lester refused to help Malvo, brains him with his Salesman of the Year award, and makes a break for Bemidji with Linda. At the FBI office in Fargo, Bill and Webb get the break they were hoping for when they're informed of Molly's inquiries and decide to visit her for more information. Back in Bemidji, the Grimley Salverson clan is enjoying breakfast at Lou's Diner, while Molly, who's in charge while Bill is at a conference, gets a call about a shooting in Las Vegas that may involve an old friend, Lester Nygaard. Speaking of the devil, Lester is rushing himself and Linda home, looking around every corner and to leave the country as soon as possible. But before he can dash, Molly arrives to ask a few questions. Though Linda backs up Lester's lie, Molly says to stay in town. Meanwhile, Malvo is back in town, briefly spotted by Gus, and heads straight for Lester's old home and office, only to find that Lester isn't at either location. After her interview with Lester, Molly meets up with Bill and Webb, who are genuinely impressed by her investigation, and poo-poo Bill Oswald's out-of-breath naysaying. They agree to meet at Lou's diner, which could be bad timing because Malvo has arrived to inquire about Lester's whereabouts. Lou gets a bad vibe from Malvo and refuses to give him any information, and Malvo just leaves as Molly arrives. Malvo's target, Lester, is still looking to flee to Mexico, though, and packs himself and Linda up. Realizing he needs something from the office, Lester sends Linda inside wearing his signature orange jacket. Sadly, his suspicions are confirmed when Malvo shoots Linda in the head and Lester hides from view. So we'll start as always with the Fargo stuff. There's not a ton of movie-related stuff in this episode, which isn't a complaint. It's one of the tensest episodes on television I can remember. But the element that does stand out is our brilliant pregnant detective actually gets to question Lester. And much like his movie counterpart Jerry Lundergaard, Lester is fumbling all over himself and talking out of both sides of his mouth. He comes across as incredibly suspicious, even with Linda attempting to back him up, which, holy shit, her arc in this episode is so sad. The key here is that Lester might view himself as more confident now, but he's still that frenetic idiot that he's always been. So let's dig into the title. 
This one goes off the beaten path because today's title, A Fox, a Rabbit, and a Cabbage, is not a is not only clearly explained in the episode between Bill and Webb, but it's also a logic problem, not a paradox. It is a solvable problem, one that Lester kind of solves in the finale. The problem is simple. A person has a boat, a cabbage, a rabbit, and a fox. You need to get all three items across a river, but can only take one at a time. However, if you leave the fox alone with the rabbit, or the cabbage alone with the rabbit, the smaller item will get eaten. So how do you succeed? The key here is to take the rabbit over and then bring it back after you, and then bring it back after you drop off the cabbage. There's no way to succeed and make sure everyone sur- survives if you don't think outside the box, at least a little bit. So how does it relate to this episode? From my perspective, it's a mirror for the problem Lester's trying to solve. He knows that he's got a hunter on his trail and that he needs to get out of town. So he's looking around every corner, looking for things to defend himself with, and finally uses some outside-the-box thinking to ensure his safety. Which means we now need to talk about Linda. Linda deserves so much better than this. Unfortunately, she's someone who's unable to spot predators, even if said predator is her husband. We don't see her very much, but Linda comes across as a very loyal and genuine person. She talks about how much she wanted a nice life like the one she has with Lester, and she goes along with his lie because she trusts him and even thinks he's being sweet when he offers up his coat. Hell, she even asks if the reason they're, she's the reason they left Las Vegas, when the entire reason they have to leave is because Lester wanted to troll for some strange and ended up needing to prove himself to a merciless contract killer and got wrapped up in another multiple homicide situation. Malvo might be the one who pulled the trigger, but Lester is the one who got this poor woman killed, because he is always a coward. Lester the feckless idiot returns. Lester deciding to say hello to Lorne is a dumb decision, but understandable. Lester pressing the issue for the sake of his ego, also dumb, but perhaps, but perhaps still understandable. Lester being relentless and refusing to walk away per Malvo's instructions, knowing full well what his attitudes and capabilities are, good god, you're the dumbest boy in the world. And it's here that Lester proves he's still the scared little man who wanted his ego stroked, just like he did in the first episode. He says yes to Lester this time, but still runs away. He has to spend the entire episode looking over his shoulder because of his stupid need to feel like a real man. That same ego and self-interest that pushed past his potential murder charge made him a witness to another, which is an ugly kind of full circle that's on track to wrap up nicely. Which brings us to Lorne Malvo, sadist. Early in the season, Lou Salverson made a distinction between men and natural predators, like wolves. He noted that animals like wolves attack for self-defense and food. However, humans will kill for money, love, vengeance, all kind of reasons. And some will kill because they get a kick out of it. And this episode removes any doubt about what Lorne Malvo really is. He's not some nihilistic edgelord, he's a sadist, plain and simple. He gets off on other people's pain and convincing other people to cause pain. There's so many little examples of this in this episode, like how he meditates by listening to tapes of people he's convinced to do murder, or how he talks about the haunted basement to the kids living in Lester's house because he's pissed that Lester wasn't there or how he seems irritated that Lester blew his cover, but chuckles when he comments about how funny the look on his fiancé's face was before he shot her. 
Malvo can talk a big game about who or what he is, but he's not a wolf. He's just a sick psychopath. And now we've got vindication for Molly. Molly's arc in this episode should just be called I Told You So or Fucking Finally. After a year of frustration, all of her roadblocks are being removed. Bill just so happens to be out of town when Lester is needed for questioning and the FBI are coming to town. Not only that, but the FBI agents are genuinely impressed with the extent of her work. Shush Bill, and when he runs into poo-poo it again, and congratulate her. Admittedly, they really want all of her work to be true because they need redemption of their own, but still, this has got to feel good. And now, a fuck yeah for Lou. The final two episodes feature a parade of awesome moments and bits from Lou. It's almost like Noah Hawley and company realized they wanted to do the second season in this moment. We'll get to the standoff with Malvo in a moment, but again, there's a lot of little background details I liked about Lou's character. Like the prominent display of Molly and Gus's wedding photo, or the chummy relationship he has with Greta, which only gets better in the finale. But Malvo's sit-down in Lou's diner is both nerve-shredding and a highlight for the man we have assumed Lou is, especially considering the daughter he raised. After exchanging pleasantries and making his order, Malvo begins to ask Lou some very pointed questions about whether or not he was a cop and where he can find Lou. What I love is that Lou not only doesn't give Malvo information he couldn't get elsewhere and refuses to budge when a threat is implied, he also drops not-so-subtle threats of his own. For the second time this season, he mentions Sioux Falls, which gets Malvo's attention. It's like an incident anyone in the underworld knows about and carries an intimidating reputation with it. And once Malvo is gone, Lou chalks it up as, sometimes you get a weird one, which is a perfect thing for a guy running a diner and this character to say. And let's get into show, don't tell. I haven't talked about this a lot, but Fargo the show abides by one of cinema's most famous rules, show, don't tell. The idea is to avoid ham-fistedly shoving exposition or themes down the audience's throat, and that it's better to demonstrate background relationships and ideas through action, through action instead of direct dialogue. It's what makes the reveal of the grimly Salverson household work so well in the last episode, and, it what makes the, and it's what makes the quick reveal of Lorne Malvo's cover and mission so effective. At first, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this is an entirely different character. He seems like a cornball dentist with a weird catchphrase. <laughs> Aces, notably said as he does finger guns, and a beautiful blonde bombshell of a wife-to-be. But conversations with his co-worker reveal Malvo's real intentions. He's trying to find and kill someone in witness protection. That sentence is never said, but you know what it means. It's noteworthy, too, that Malvo lets this information come to him. He doesn't press on it. He just earns the trust of the brother and lets said brother lead him to the target. Or at least he does until Lester blows up his spot. This also applies to the scene with Lester in the car with Linda when he gives her his coat. I really like the editing and direction here because it follows Lester's eyes as he drifts back and forth between his office and Linda and he keeps altering her appearance to ensure Malvo won't know the difference at first glance. We can tell what he's doing, even if Linda can't, because the images are hammering it home. It's really good stuff. And finally, we get to tension. If Buridan's ass was the episode of Mysteries, a fox is the episode full of tension. And almost all of it centers around what Lorne Malvo may or may not do, or if he's nearby. 
In the elevator scene, we know that Lester confronting him in the middle of a job is bad news, but it's unclear what he's going to do or who he's going to do it to until he starts headshotting people. But once Lester hits him in the head and says, I'll see you soon, in the creepiest line delivery ever as a beacon of light and death in the the middle of the darkness, we and Lester are going to be looking over our shoulder for the rest of the episode. The scenes where Lester is wandering through his new house are achingly tense, and the sound design is so sparse and empty. It really makes the audience sit with their thoughts and anxiety as Lester looks around every corner and makes every, identif- makes every identifiable object and sound terrifying. Granted, the scene in Lou's diner kicks everything up a notch. It's already rough because we already know what kind of guy Lauren is and what he'll do for information. Seeing him alone in Lou's diner asking pointed questions is not a great scenario. But the knowledge that, the, that Molly and the FBI agents are on their way is a dreadful ticking clock since scenario. There's so many ways this could go wrong. If Malvo doesn't like Lou's answers, he might attack him. If Molly comes in at the wrong time, Malvo might attack them both and a shootout might start in the diner. If the FBI agents come up, similar scenario. Pretty much every way this plays out, minus the one we get, could end in violence. And that knowledge makes for some bone-chilling tension. And the next episode isn't going to get much better.